Hi everyone, and welcome back to Airway First, the podcast from the Children's Airway First Foundation. I'm your host, Rebecca St. James. My guest today is Amy Fields, internationally board-certified lactation consultant and labor and delivery nurse with over 25 years of experience helping moms and babies with breastfeeding. Amy started working as a labor and delivery nurse in 1998, and in 2010, she was given the opportunity to run the community education department at the hospital she was working at. She became Lamaze certified and began teaching childbirth and newborn care classes to expectant patients. In addition to working as a labor nurse in the hospital setting, she has also assisted with home births and spent two years working at a freestanding birth center. In 2011, she started a postpartum support group called Circle of Mothers. You can find out more about Amy at azbreastfedbabies.com. And now let's jump into my interview with today's guest, Amy Fields. Perfect. Thanks so much for joining me this afternoon, Amy. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to do this. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So before we we kick things off, um, maybe we could tell our audience a little bit about you and, and the work that you do. Yeah, so I own AZ Breastfed Babies, and AZ Breastfed Babies is now a team of lactation consultants or IBCLCs mm-hmm. that cover the area of Phoenix, Arizona which is actually quite large, as well as offering virtual consults for families around the world. So there's currently 11 of us and the team is growing Mm -hmm. and it's been just amazing. But I started out 25 years ago as a labor and delivery nurse. That was how, how I got into this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2012, I sat for the boards to become an IBCLC or an internationally board certified lactation consultant. I always loved breastfeeding. I was very passionate about helping new moms. Mm-hmm. I breastfed my own three children. And, you know, the first like 10 years of being a labor and delivery nurse, I worked in hospitals that did not have lactation consultants, the, the labor and postpartum nurses um, helped with that. And, you Mm -hmm. know, there were just some nurses that I worked with that, you know, didn't have successful breastfeeding journeys with their own children really struggled, or it just wasn't their thing. We all kind of like had our thing, you know, that we would do, like there's Mm -hmm. some people that were better at starting IVs. I was like the person, the go-to, they were like, Oh, that baby won't latch. Have Amy go in there. She'll get that baby to latch. And so it just made sense to get the certification and to become an IBCLC. I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. Mm -hmm. I figured out pretty quickly that I did not want to be a lactation consultant in the hospital. And so I ended up leaving the hospital and going and working at a freestanding birth center. Mm -hmm. And I assisted as a nurse with both births in the birth center and actually some home births. And then it just worked itself out to where I started doing breastfeeding consults for families in the community. And it was like one person would tell another or somebody that I worked with would have a sister that had a baby and they're like, can you go to her house? And then this business just grew. And so I ended up leaving the hospital um, in like 2017 Mm -hmm. And so there was overlap. I was still working in the hospital as a labor nurse and had the business of AZ breastfed babies and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And so I had to make a choice. So it was just me driving all, I had a mini Cooper for a while, driving my mini Cooper all over the Valley Mm -hmm. doing home visits. And I I mean, I love it. I love every minute of it, but getting stretched very thin and, um, you know, it's hard when you have a business, when you do something to bring other people into your business, mm-hmm. because your business is kind of like another baby. Another it's your baby. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the first person I brought on my team is somebody that I actually, I knew her at, when she was a little girl and then she grew up and became a labor nurse and then became an IBCLC. So that first person was so easy to bring on. 
And then now here I am with, you know, All 10 team. other subcontractors, team members. And so, yeah, that's kind of a little bit about like AZ Breastfed Babies and what we do and how it grew. And it's just been a really amazing journey. Yeah. And along with that, I know we're going to dig into it a little bit more, but when I first became an IBCLC, I thought like, oh, I'm just going to help moms breastfeed and mm -hmm. help them choose the best nipple cream and breastfeeding pillow. And, and now here we are like talking about airway and jaw formation yeah. and sleep. And it, it all came to me pretty quickly, like how incredibly important this is mm -hmm. because in 2013, I went to the um, International Affiliation of Tongue Tie Professional Conference in Florida. Mm -hmm. And there's a pediatrician here in the Valley, Dr. Agawal, that owns Agave Pediatrics, and he's really big in the tongue tie world. Um, and he told me, like, you need to go to this. It's about tongue ties. And I was like, three days? It was actually four <laughs> days. But the fourth day was for, um, I think, members or something. So the first three days of conferences, you know, it was and you're thinking, what can they talk about like, for three what? days? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. I mean, I'm like, I've been a nurse for a while. I did all my training to become an IBCLC. Like I know that there's tongue ties, but like, what are they going to talk about for three days? Mm -hmm. And I knew I needed to go. Cause if I was questioning it, I was like, there must be a lot. I don't know. Yeah. And it was, you know, talking about tongue ties across the lifespan and they had uh, dentists, they had IVCLCs, they had OTs, PTs, SLPs, they had everybody there. And I was completely mind blown, like absolutely mind blown. And mm -hmm. as I'm sitting there listening to some of the sessions, I'm thinking about these babies that I had done consults with recently that I like couldn't figure out why they were struggling and what was going on. And I was like, oh my gosh, that baby has a tongue tie. Oh my gosh. I bet that baby has a tongue tie. How did I miss? Oh my gosh. And came back to Phoenix and called these families that I'd been working with. I was like, come back in. I've learned something new. Um, so, you know, in a lot of ways, IBCLCs are first responders. Mm. We're in there early, early on the very beginning I mean, some of these babies were seen less than 24 hours of age and seeing some of these issues. It's not always a tongue tie, right? It's not always right. oral restrictions that are causing the issues, but, um, you know, and, and our intake has changed to include questions about the parents' oral function and airway, orthodontic history, how they sleep. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would have now never... We know. Right. Never guessed that in the beginning. It's Never crazy. That. It's it's just crazy. Yeah. Um. So, as somebody that has had a couple of children, and kind of to your point, that first night with both of them, same hospital is a great hospital. Um. A nurse came in to help me, and I'll just you know put it all out there. It did not go well for me, so. You know, I apologize to my daughters all the time for this. They were not breastfed because it just, I never got the hang of it. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I now know I would have been a great person to call, you know, someone like you say, hey, I need some help. But what are some of the other, you know, signs or symptoms that tell a new mom, hey, I need some help and let's get lactation consultation going? Yeah, so... The, the things that a lactation consultant can help with are just numerous. And it, the reasons why someone would call a lactation consultant isn't always because breastfeeding is hard, isn't always because the latch is painful, but certainly those are reasons. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we tell people like, even if breastfeeding is going well in the very beginning, but you just want to have somebody that's a specialist that's there to help you maneuver through the different stages of breastfeeding as the baby gets older. And I know you, uh, one of the things that we were going to talk about is like, when should someone call right. a lactation consultant? And 
So I have an Instagram account. It's AZ Breastfed Babies. And I do a lot of education on there. And at the beginning of the year, I declared 2024 as the year to do prenatal visits, the year of the prenatal consults. If we can get in on the whole process before mm -hmm. the baby is even born, it's going to be so much better. And, you know, to have an IBCLC on speed dial that you can ask questions of, run things by, you know, get out to your house within the first week after the baby is born, it just sets things up for success because mm -hmm. a lot of what interferes with breastfeeding is just our own thoughts and worries and fears about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so meeting with someone prenatally that can answer questions that can help you have good expectations and what breastfeeding looks like on day one looks different than day three looks different than day five, mm -hmm. because as your milk transitions from colostrum to mature milk, like your baby may breastfeed really well on day one or two. And then as your milk transitions and your breasts become full, um, it may be harder for the baby to latch on. And that's right about the time that moms get discharged from the hospital. Yep. That's where they give birth. And then they're mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I don't have a call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The button for the nurse or the lactation consultant to come in, but you will have your lactation consultant out in the community on speed dial. So we help with, you know, like I said, those prenatal visits all the way through breastfeeding in those first few days, first few weeks to pumping flange size fitting, which is like a big topic right now because all of the pump companies only send certain size flanges. And then there's a 90% chance they're not going to be the right size for each mom. And, um, you know, which bottles would be mm -hmm. best. There's a mm -hmm. lot of marketing out there, a lot yeah. of marketing. And I do tell people, I'm like, you can work with a lactation consultant and they can help you save money because you're not going to buy like all the things. You'll just and get the right ones. Yeah. Let's get like, you know, some babies can drink out of any bottle and they do fine. But if we're dealing with um, some oral dysfunction, there are certain bottles that can work better for, for that baby to help them along. Um, yeah, we help with like, there's different stages of development. Like a lot of people hear about that four month distractible baby. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a whole different season of breastfeeding, starting solids at around six months. Um, so a, a breastfeeding console isn't only valuable, like in the very beginning to get a mm -hmm. good, good latch. It's something that like, as the baby grows, that is why I do that free postpartum support group. I think you saw mm -hmm. that the yep. circle of mothers. Yeah. Um, I've done it for 12 years. I do it weekly. It's free. It's not only a breastfeeding support group anyone's welcome, any mom and baby pre-crawling, um, it, it's, it doesn't matter how you feed your baby. Everybody is welcome, but it's such an important part of the whole journey as a new mom to have a support system, mm -hmm. but it does help me keep in touch with clients that I've been working with, you know, in between consults, like they can come to the group, they can weigh their baby, they can ask me questions and do troubleshooting. It also keeps me in the know <laughs> because I hear from these moms. I know what's going on. I know kind of what the trends are. And my mm -hmm. kids are older. My kids are, my son's 20 and my girls are 23. My oldest is going to be 25 on Sunday. It's crazy. Uh, it so is. doing the group keeps me like, like I said, in the know. So yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So you mentioned a little bit about bottles. And before we really start to dig into things, I'll just kind of level set with our audience. I'm going to put a link to your website because you've got some amazing resources there. Um, So I, I don't want to give away everything, but I know there's, I'd, I'd like to just talk about kind of some high level tips and guidance as we you know work through here. But for moms that have to go back to work, um, 
it, it, I know that it, it's more than just, you know, some babies can drink out of everything and certain ones will be, you know, make it less gassy, things like that. But really from the standpoint of we're really talking about jaw growth and development. So if you have to go back to work, what are some good bottles or what are some things you should look for, you know, for the bottles that you would want to use? The reason why um, those of us that are in this field that are working as IBCLCs or speech language pathologists, occupational therapists, and we're working with these babies and children is that we do see the whole uh, progress of mm -hmm. oral function and, and that it starts at birth, right? Mm -hmm. So we know that the palate is the it's the roof, it's the ceiling of the mouth, and it's the floor of the airway. Mm -hmm. So if you, if a baby has a really high palate, it's going to be pushing up on the airway and infringing on that. Right. And that's what this whole, everything you do is all about, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about oral function and the baby's ability to latch well, the baby's ability to latch on the breast, it's the biological norm. Mm -hmm. It's mother nature's way of really helping that jaw formation, that palate formation, because how a baby latches at the breast progresses to how they're going to chew and eat solids, mm -hmm. speech, airway, all of that. It's all connected. So I right. did say like, oh, some babies can take any bottle and they do just fine. Yeah. And, and I, you know, talked about a little bit about marketing. There's the marketing of like, oh my gosh, this bottle looks just like the breast. And those are the ones we typically say to stay far, far away from, because we don't need it to look like the breast. That's not, that's not so what we're going for. Yeah. That's not what we're going for. So there are certain bottles that we tend to recommend for different reasons. So like in the very beginning, the first, I'm going to say like four to six weeks of life, I'm going to really focus on flow rates because okay. I don't want a fast flow bottle. Do you want me to tell what kind of bottles? I'm happy to do that. Sure. Yeah. Whatever you, so, you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it, it's, I have no like monetary affiliation with any of these companies. I, right. That's mm -hmm. my disclaimer. I don't right. make any money from any of this, but um, typically most of us recommend the Dr. Brown's standard bottles mm -hmm. because they have really good slow flow rates. Their nipples come in ultra preemie, preemie, a newborn, or they, they also call it a transitional nipple before they ever even get to level one. So you, we used to only see the ultra preemie and preemie in the NICUs for the preemie, micro preemie babies. And I think a lot of lactation consultants out in the community, they were like, wait, we want that preemie nipple out here for our full-term babies that we're working on breastfeeding skills. Um, and so they, they sell them now. You can find them even at Target. You can find them on Amazon, but I want a slow flow. I want the baby to have to work a little bit at the bottle because okay. when we're going back and forth between breast and bottle, we do want them to have to work. A little. I see it all the time. We switch to that kind of bottle. They start to do better at the breast. Um, so there is that. And then is it because it's more consistent? It's, it's definitely more consistent and it's just a slower flow. Okay. And Dr. Brown's does have a wide mouth bottle that they do have a preemie nipple, but I definitely think the standard with the preemie or the newborn flow is good if a baby is getting a bottle in those first four to six weeks. Maybe okay. mom has a low milk supply and she's doing some bottle feeding and breastfeeding. Maybe baby was being supplemented in the very beginning because the pediatrician recommended that because of low blood sugars or jaundice. Like there could be different reasons why a baby gets a bottle that early. Okay. Um, but a lot of times uh, breastfeeding is going well and we're just focusing on breastfeeding during that time. So it just depends on that mom and baby. And then we do recommend if mom is 
especially if she's going to be going back to work or she just knows that she wants her baby to take a bottle occasionally, we mm -hmm. will usually recommend doing a bottle intro at about four, that four to six week mark if the baby hasn't already had one. At that point, I'm going to then really start to focus more on the shape of the nipple okay. because we do want to encourage a wide gape. We want baby's mouth to open really wide. We want that tongue to extend and cup around the nipple. So my go-to bottle is usually the even flow balance bottle with the slow flow nipple. They do have both a standard size and a wide size. So I always start with the standard and sometimes as a baby gets older, we'll switch to a wider nipple. Those are generalizations. I mean, when I'm working sure. with someone one-on-one, -on -one, I may make different recommendations depending on what's going on. There mm -hmm. are other bottles like the Lanson Mama, um, the Boone bottle. Uh, there's a great company called Lactation Hub that is owned by an IBCLC. And she both carries all of the products that IBCLCs love, everything from those bottles and then mm -hmm. also things that we need. We don't necessarily love them, but we need them um, within our practice, like nipple shields. Um, I mean, so they have so many products. And so some of the products she actually manufactures. Oh, wow. she, yeah. So she has a, a bottle, a gentle flow bottle that has a great nipple and it's a glass bottle, which a lot of families really want glass rather than mm -hmm. plastic and plastic. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes um, that might be a bottle that some of our clients choose. So who would have thought that choosing a bottle was going to be such so a big thing, right? And you know, like baby list has those baby bottle boxes where they send a box that has like eight different bottles in it. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Brown's is one that's in there. It does have the level one nipple, but then it has like a bunch of other ones. Um, so whenever I go to someone's house or they come in for a visit and they have that box, they'll just bring it out to me and they're like, which bottle? And I'm like, not this one, not this one, not this one. No, 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 no. And then, okay, okay, this one, but let's get different nipples. So um, there is that. And why does it matter? Like, why does it matter? Because oral function matters mm -hmm. and how the tongue moves matters. Right. You know, what's going on with the palate matters and what's going on with the jaw matters. And so some of those other bottles have really pointy nipples that kind of look mm -hmm. like straws. And then we have a baby that's sucking more than they're suckling. So they're sucking, they're using their lips, their cheek muscles mm -hmm. to get the milk out instead of latching and using, yeah. And using their tongue. And yeah. So there's like a whole purpose behind why we recommend certain things. And yeah. Well, and let me ask, because in between my daughters, the, in our house, we call them sucky suckies. Um, I know in Australia, they're dummies and people oh, yeah. call them passies, right? Um, what they sent us home with in the hospital to soothe them was different. Mm -hmm. Um, so with my younger one or yeah, my younger one, it's that green and it, it, it's to me though, it, it's very similar to a straw in the shape. Is it not? Yeah. So I think that's the Avent Sudi that you're talking about. It's like the one you can look down in. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, yes. So it's funny. My, um, my kids never really used a pacifier. We kind of tried in the very beginning thinking like, oh, babies take pacifiers, you know, mm -hmm. like we should probably get them. And then they just never did. But um, I have four brothers, three of them are younger. And I remember them having pacifiers and my mom called a, called them plugs, which plugs. I think is so funny. <laughs> plug their mouth. They're crying. Plug, plug it. Um, and so that too is another whole subject about having so many options of mm -hmm. different types of pacifiers. And um, it's funny because 
it's a favorite gift for people to give at baby showers, like mm -hmm. tons of pacifiers. Oh, we got tons of them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like looked at in our culture as a necessity. And it's really not like, it's okay to not ever give your baby a pacifier. There are times when I do find that it's therapeutically indicated. It can help with certain things, like especially if a baby, you know, is swallowing a lot of air because we're, we're working on oral function, like not everything is a, a super fast fix, right? Like some right. things take time. And so a pacifier is something that we can use therapeutically. But so you, I think you're talking about the Avent Suvi. A lot of the hospitals, mm. I think, have a contract with them and do use them. There are certain things about those types of pacifiers that can be good for encouraging um, the bait. There's like a base around it. There's like mm -hmm. a little lip or an edge and it yeah. can encourage those lips to kind of flange out a little bit more so than like some of the MAM pacifiers or the yeah, neck pacifiers. Up over. Yeah. Where, yeah. They're mm -hmm. kind of like chewing and chomping again, like recruiting yeah. the muscles around their lips and cheeks. Um, but then when we have a baby that has a tongue tie, lip tie, oral ties in general, and maybe has a release done. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, there's, there's going to be risks or benefits to anything that we use like that. Sure, sure. Sometimes when I tell parents, like, try to not use a pacifier because a pacifier holds the tongue down. Mm -hmm. And it's always open mouth breathing when you have a pacifier in their mouth, their lips are not closed. But if you're in the car and your baby is crying and you're trying to get to the pediatrician visit, please, if you want to use a pacifier, please do. Like it's mm -hmm. a comfort measure. Like there's a time and a place for it, right. um, but just don't keep popping it in for just, you know unless it's like, you're just trying to buy a little bit of time to get to where you're going in the car or, you know, mom is in the shower and she just got mm -hmm. in and got shampoo in her hair and baby's losing it. And then another family member, a partner, a dad, whomever is going to use a, a clean finger or a pacifier for a minute. Go right. for it. Right. Yep. There's no yep. hard and fast nevers and no's in this world. Um, there's a new pacifier that came out couple years ago called the Ninico pacifier. Are you familiar okay. with that one? I am not. Yeah. It's called the Ninico. Ninico and it's a silicone pacifier and it's a super soft silicone. It's so thin um, that the pressure that it would put on the palate and the tongue in general is so minimal compared to other pacifiers. Okay. Um, I'll use it for suck training sometimes with babies to help get like better extension. So again, everything can be potentially a tool. And then we have that conversation with our families that we work with about how if you're using a pacifier and you can, you know, wean from it at about that four to five month mark, mm -hmm. that would be ideal because, um, much longer than that, we're getting into probably teeth coming in. Right. And also just a baby that's going to be more in tuned with a habit. And, and then it could be harder to take away from later. But I have parents switch out the pacifier with certain types of teethers hmm. that, um, like the Myo Munchie or something like the, that. Yeah. The BB Munchie is really good. Um, and then there's other ones that just encourage like the teether to get back a little further so that they can kind of chew and chomp on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it still gives them something they're, they're going to put their fingers in their mouth. Like it's all developmentally sure. yeah. has a purpose. Um, thumb sucking is a little different. That's not my area of expertise, but, um, that's, that's something a little bit different, but just in general, like babies putting their fingers to their mouths mm -hmm. can be very, uh, developmentally appropriate. It's a sensory thing. And right. then giving them like these teethers that they can chew and chomp on. But yeah, I saw you, you did a podcast, um, on the Mayo Munchie and yeah, I have one, yeah. I actually have one right here. <laughs> Oh, look at that. Yep. Oh, I love and then it. In my office, I do. I've taken the class. I do have the baby munchie. So um, there are some babies that I'll definitely recommend that for at about, you know, 
maybe four months, but definitely by five or six months, it can be a good like tool for them. It really helps with palate expansion. You're listening to Airwave First with today's guest, Amy Fields. You can find out more about the Children's Airway First Foundation and our mission to fix before six on our website at childrensairwayfirst.org. The CAF website offers tons of great resources for both parents and medical professionals. In our Parents Portal and Clinicians Corner, you can find educational and informational content, including videos, blogs, our recommended reading list, comprehensive medical research, podcasts, events, parent support, and additional educational opportunities. Parents are also encouraged to join the Airway Huddle, our Facebook support group, which was created for parents of children with airway and sleep-related issues. You can access the Airway Huddle support group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Airway Huddle. Are you a medical professional or parent that's interested in being a guest on the show? Then shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. As a reminder, this podcast and the opinions expressed here are not a medical diagnosis. If you suspect your child might have an airway issue, contact your pediatric airway dentist or pediatrician. And now let's jump back into my interview with today's guest, Amy Fields. So whatever the baby is born with is what they've had throughout gestation Mm -hmm. and how they've been moving their tongue. It had, they've been doing that since really early on, like as early as even eight weeks Mm -hmm. and you know, they've been moving their tongue in a certain way. They've been swallowing amniotic fluid. And so when they're born, it's not like that's the starting point. There's right, muscle memory. They've already been there. Mm-hmm. They've been doing it. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, there's a baby, like if they do have oral restrictions and the ties are released, there are some babies that off they go, they do great. It's like parents are like, oh my gosh, from the very first latch after that release, it felt different. It felt better. And it's beautiful. <laughs> you know, Michelle Chatham calls that the tether flow babies. Have you read her article on that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to link to that in here. Yeah, it's called the tether flow babies. So she uses the analogy of like an iceberg and an ice flow. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you see the ice on the surface and you don't know what's underneath. And sometimes it is just what's on the surface and it's just floating around. It's free spirit, right? And uh, sometimes you see some ice on the surface and what's under the surface is bigger than what we see above. Right. And so the birth process can be a part of that food allergies can be a part of that mom's milk supply. So there's all these variables that can make breastfeeding difficult. It's not just always oral ties and it's not just only oral ties. that Mm -hmm. can Sure. There's a lot more. So, you know, kind of to play off that, you know, we, we talked a little, you mentioned rather that one of the biggest gifts. And I think if, if you had a baby shower, we all got, a gazillion pacifiers, sucky suckies, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. So what are some other gifts that would be more appropriate that we could bring to these baby showers that are going to help moms with breastfeeding and, and babies with this whole jaw development? Okay. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is a, a gift certificate for a lactation consult. Um, yes. <laughs> We are in network with most insurance plans. Some IBCLCs are. So depending on where, where you live, you could always check into that, but, um, a breastfeed, a good breastfeeding class, um, you know, always of course ask what the mom wants. We don't ever want to like push that on them, but, um, whether or not a mom is going to breastfeed, her milk is going to come in. So to some extent, 
so there is that, but yeah, a gift certificate for a consult would be good. Um, and then as far as like things, I would say, oh my, the first thing I'm going to say are meals, frozen meals. Because if we can set mom up for a really good postpartum period where she's healing, mm -hmm. um, where she can just focus on her and the baby and focus on breastfeeding, things right. are going to go so much better. So, um, you know, pay for her house to get cleaned if, you know, she's open to that. Like, I'm going to have a housekeeper come a couple times to clean everything for you so that you can just sit there and enjoy your baby and just establish breastfeeding. I'm going to bring meals mm -hmm. over. I'm going to hire someone to come pick up your dog poop in the backyard so that you and your partner can just focus on the baby. Mm -hmm. Like those are the best gifts that I can think of. And then as far as breastfeeding supplies, um, you know, like there are good natural nipple creams that you can get. I love the silver nipple cups, like the silverettes or lactation okay. hub has their booby bliss silver nipple cups. Um, those can be incredibly useful in the postpartum period. If you go like on, on my Instagram, I have a link in the bio. I do have a list of things that you can buy on Amazon that okay. include even like one of those carts, you know, the three tiered carts on wheels that they have. Yep. Like at uh -huh. Yeah. And so mom can bring that from room to room and it can have her water hydro flask there, um, her snacks, because it's so important that mom is nourished. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the nipple cream, the breast pads, diapers and wipes for babies can be on there so that um, everything is just in at a hand's reach. And I, when I see new parents with like a brand brand new baby in that first week, you know, there's definitely like a therapeutic presence that we have with them. And I always have Kleenex right next to where we're sitting in my office because I'm not afraid of the tears that come with being a new mom. And yeah. I think it's really important to talk about that because it's so hard and it's mm -hmm. beautiful and it's, you know, exhausting and mm -hmm. it's magical all at the same time. And, yep. and to talk about how much you love this new baby and you're so grateful, but also like how freaking hard it is. How hard it you is. Might yes. not even feel like super bond. You love that baby and you're, you're, but you're grateful, not connected but yet. You may not be connected mm -hmm. right away, especially depending on like what your birth look like. Mm -hmm. Um, you're getting to know a new person. Yeah. And this person is very demanding. <laughs> and right. I mean, I'll sometimes I'll say, like, isn't it amazing how like much work this baby is? You know, before you have mm -hmm. a baby, you think like, what do you do? It's all not day? that hard. Yeah, it's not that hard. It's Feed easy. Them and change their diaper. And and I was like, I bet you're just like, where did the day go? And they're like, oh my gosh, that's so true. So mm -hmm. You know, I cannot stress enough that like we just as a society need to do better for our new moms and our, our moms. new, you know, their partners mm -hmm. um, too. And I'll tell you, take the nap. If you're a new mom and you're thinking we've all made that mistake with my first daughter, I thought, you know, not a big deal. She's taking a nap. I'm going to go do this, 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 because I'm super mom. And yeah, um, I made it. I made it a few weeks like that and then just broke right. down. But yeah, yep, for my next daughter, she took a nap. Let's go. Let's nap together. Take the nap. Yes. A and game changer. Yeah. And if you're in fight or flight and you're too wired and you're just like, I, I can't, I don't I can't lay down. That's even more reason that like, okay, don't, I tell moms this all the time. I don't care if you fall asleep. I want just you to lay down mm -hmm. because it tells your body that you're safe. Yeah. And it gets those cortisol levels down and it, it's little tiny baby steps to start to regulate that nervous system. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't just put either put on some music or listen to a meditation app or just put a funny show on, put on Shit's yep. Creek or something yep. and lay down and put your baby next to you. And if yes. you are afraid of falling asleep with your new baby, then have another adult in the room that's going to like supervise, you know, 
there's definitely safety measures we want to take when we're laying in a bed with a baby, but mm -hmm. um, it's okay to do it during the day so that someone can be supervising and babies don't know. Like I here in Phoenix, I'm like, your baby is confused, thinks this is France, different <laughs> time zone. Cause they're like, yeah. baby sleeps all day and wakes up at midnight. And I'm like, yeah, you it's know, basically they don't a cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just gave birth to a cat. Enjoy that. So true. They don't yeah. have a circadian rhythm. They have nope. no idea. It's nope. it's gonna get better. It is yeah. it's gonna happen. But in those first few weeks for sure, like you have to treat the 24 hour period like that too. Like it's not yeah. about staying awake and getting stuff done all day because you're mm -hmm. not gonna be sleeping all night. Nope. You get sleep broken up. That but you also need to write, like you said, lay down. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you fall asleep. Like, just let lay yourself down. lay down. Yep. Then it's I'll just, tell you as a postpartum mom too, which I'm so glad this is in the conversation now of the world because it wasn't when I went through it. Didn't have it with my first one, but my second one, I mean, hold on. Um, that being able just to lay beside my daughter and I couldn't, like you said, I couldn't always sleep, but I would just listen to her breathe. Yeah. And I cannot tell you, if you haven't had a child, you're, you're going to think I'm nuts, but just listening to her little breath yeah. for however long she slept, something in my body just relaxed. And suddenly I started connecting with her more. It was, um, it really was magical. Yeah. We are instinctual beings. Mm -hmm. We are at the end of the day, we are instinctual beings and we, sometimes we get so busy that, that that gets kind of glossed over. Yeah. And those hormones are strong in that postpartum period. And it's like that mom radar is going off of like, I need to protect this baby mm -hmm. as if we're cave people and something's going to come in and eat our baby. Right. And those intrusive right. thoughts and the worries and all of that can like, just keep going. But um, again, like if we can just very um, intentionally do things to kind of tone that down. And, mm -hmm. and again, it could be like, if someone's done like hypnobirthing or anything like that, there's great, you can just go on YouTube and look up like hypnobirthing meditation okay. and they have some for postpartum. And even if you're someone that's never done anything like that before, there are meditation apps that you can get because mm -hmm. It, it it is in our brain like it's back there somewhere and if we can tap into whatever it is that's going to help us mm -hmm. um get out of that like crazy stressful high nervous system because birth is a lot it's even traumatic it for both of you traumatic even if birth went well like mm -hmm. You know, just the birth could be the best birth ever and you feel super supported and you had a great team, but mm -hmm. that placenta goes away and with it goes some really great hormones and then your body has to try to figure that out. And so there's no way to like explain that to people that, that if they haven't had a baby before. Yeah. I know yeah. they hear us saying it. But they don't get it. Yeah. You don't get it until you've gone hard. through it. It's hard to wrap your head around it. But in other cultures you know, they got it right in India in a lot of communities, the new mother goes to her mom's house or her mother-in-law's house. Like they yes. take her out of her home into a place where she doesn't have to worry about cooking, cleaning mm -hmm. the other children. And she is doted on. I mean, she's supported. Yes. She's supported. She's in bed. Um, there are certain communities where mom and baby get a head to toe massage every day. I worked with a mom from Nepal mm -hmm. and I was like talking to her about like just um, certain like rhythmic movements with the baby about how movement is really relaxing, right? That's mm -hmm. like swings, like yep. you get on a yep. swing and you're just like, yep. oh. and how you can do that with the baby. And she goes, oh yeah, my mom has taught me all that. And her mom still lived in Nepal. So okay. her mom kept telling her, like, are you doing this? Or, you know, you have to do this massage to help the baby with digestion. You have to do this. They have, it's just part of their culture. Yeah. And I go, are you doing it? And she goes, no. And I go, I had to take all these classes and pay do it. all this money to learn how to teach you to do it. And your mom already taught you. And mm -hmm. we just laughed and she's like, okay. 
I'll do it. And it made sense to her, but, um, oh, sorry. That's right. And I'm glad you mentioned it. Oh, that's fine. I'm glad you mentioned it because the, the, the massage aspect of it, um, again, it's not something unless you've gone through it. Um, but a massage after a baby, uh, it's just, it's life-changing. It's just so life-changing when you know, you know, you can take your baby in my particular case, it was your grandma. So she's safe. And you know, it was, it was done for me by my mother-in-law and I thought, I don't need this. I'm fine. No, because you just, it, yeah, it's amazing. That's, I'm so glad that you ha- got that. I know everybody that's listening is probably from different parts of the United States or different mm-hmm. parts of the world. So what their resources are, are very different here in mm-hmm. Phoenix, we have some like massage therapists that specifically cater to new, to like prenatal and postpartum moms. Mm -hmm. and do postpartum massages and the therapeutic breast massages. Um, I got certified in that. From What is that, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. It is also something that is um, like done in other cultures. I've learned it from a couple different places. So Maya Bowman is a nurse and an IBCLC very well known in the lactation community. And she's Russian. And she teaches uh, therapeutic breast massage. I've also taken a class and gotten certified from a licensed massage therapist. Um, But is it to stimulate milk or is it to relax the mom or it can help with engorgement? It can help with milk supply in both both low milk supply and oversupply. Um, there's a certain amount of lymphatic drainage that is encouraged in the types of breast massages that I'm talking about. Um, so, you know, it used to be when moms were engorged, we would tell them get in the hot shower and, mm-hmm. and then just like, dig that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. hug duct or dig that engorgement out. And now we know that that was causing more inflammation. And so now there's more of like this therapeutic um, lymphatic drainage of the breast massage that we, that we do. But again, like in Russia, in Japan, in certain parts of India, it's just a normal part of the postpartum period. Mm -hmm. I was reading up on it a little bit and in certain communities and even like Africa, Nigeria, um, it, it is normal to go get a massage, specifically a breast massage not only in the postpartum period, but like at any point in time, it's mm-hmm. just to help with the congestion, um, for healthier breast tissue. You know, a lot oh, of women wow. have fibroids and dense breasts and, yeah. um, so, you know, if you go get a massage here in the United States, they're not going to touch that area. It's kind nope. of like, um, but there are some massage therapists that will do that, especially for women that have breast cancer, um, maybe have had a mastectomy or, you know, had a lumpectomy or something. A lot of the oncologists will refer to specific massage therapists that they'll do therapeutic breast massage for them. So there's definitely medical indications for Mm -hmm. it. And a lot of lactation consultants are learning more about this and offering um, therapeutic breast massage in the postpartum period. So, yeah. Yeah. So at the end of, of every episode, I always turn it back to our guests for the final thoughts for our parents, because you are the experts. So any final thoughts you'd like to leave our uh, parent audience with? Yeah. Um, my gosh. It, let me think of what would be good. I would just say that as we're learning more and, you know, there's more of a community and the, the positive part of social media is really learning about what resources are out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with lactation consultants specifically, I, I would say do research prenatally during your pregnancy of who is in your community, um, what kind of consults they do, check your insurance benefits with, with them and, 
do a prenatal visit. Like I said earlier, um, 2024 needs to be the year of the prenatal visits because yes. we can help you pick which pump is going to be the best for you. We can help you with flange sizing. We can help you with your registry list. We can help you with planning for that postpartum period and to have those expectations of what that might look like so that you can just not feel like you're surviving in that postpartum period. Like you may not feel like you're thriving and that's okay. But you could but heal. You, you won't be in survival mode. And yeah, I, I think I'm so glad that we talked about this. Um, in, you know, in talking about the airway, because isn't yeah. the nervous system just such a huge part of that? Like if we're yes. not breathing correctly, yes. our nervous system isn't going to be regulated, but there's so many other parts and pieces of it. And I, I just am so happy that I got to do this podcast with you and to talk yes, a little bit thank about you. breastfeeding and what breastfeeding support can look like beyond, beyond the latch. It's not just about the latch. It's no, about it's so not. much more. It is. It is. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. It's my pleasure. Thanks again to today's guest, Amy Fields, for sharing her medical insight and to each of you for listening to today's episode. If you're new to our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review or comment telling us about what you enjoyed most. You can stay connected with the Children's Airway First Foundation by following us on Instagram, Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Parents can also join us via our Facebook parent support group, The Airway Huddle, at facebook.com backslash groups backslash airway huddle. You can also find tons of great content for parents and medical professionals alike via the Parents Portal and Clinician's Corner areas on our website. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for an upcoming episode, shoot us a note via the contact page on our website or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. And finally, thanks to all the parents and medical professionals out there that are working hard to make the lives of kids around the globe just a little bit better. Take care, stay safe, and happy breathing, everyone.